all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Galatians chapter 2. I'll be reading out a New Living Translation, so those of you that are new, I I usually read out New King James, so you'll see me, uh, even though I'm reading from a paper, uh, it's coming from the scriptures, but I want you to know uh, when I'm reading from the paper, it's because I'm reading from a different translation. Uh, New Living Translation is a a great translation. It's easier to digest sometimes, and Galatians is a very doctrinal heavy book, so I want you to understand it, so that's why we're going to be reading from New Living Translation. Uh, uh, look, I, I love the Word of God and any translation, but, um, but I primarily read from New King James Version, so just so you know that if you're new and this is new for you. But all right, today I want to give you a little backdrop, so if you haven't been with us in this series, Galatians, let me give you a little backdrop because um, uh, we were talking about this in our production meetings, we're talking about services, and uh, Galatians is actually easier to read all the way through from chapter chapter 1 to 6, or 6 chapters, it's harder to break up and talk about chapter by chapter because it kind of is an ongoing conversation or an ongoing issue that's in Galatians. So, uh, so I, I say all that is if you're jumping in today, you can jump right on. You won't have any problem doing that. But I would encourage you to read Galatians from uh, chapter 1 to chapter 6. And, and some of you are like, boy, that's, that's a lot. No, you can do it in, in one sitting. It's a great book. It'll really help you, especially kind of going through this. But just so you understand, uh, I, I've got to give you a little bit of, of uh, kind of introduction from last week because it's ongoing, all right? So, so here's what happened last week if you weren't with us. Uh, there's really two issues that Paul's addressing. Paul is the writer of Galatians. Galatia is a, uh, it's kind of like Allegheny County. If I could, uh, we talked about this last week. It's a, it's a landmass. It's an area like Allegheny County has many cities in it. So is Galatia. Galatia is in modern day Turkey. It's kind of like south, well, Galatia itself spans the whole area of Turkey, but, um, but Paul is primarily into southern, kind of central and southern Turkey. Uh, so there's cities like Lystra and Derby, those kind of cities that maybe you've heard or you've read in the Bible. That's where Paul is ministering to. Those are the cities now, where he's planted churches in Galatia. But Galatia is a, is a bigger landmass with many cities and many churches. So a lot of Paul's books, like if you read Ephesians, it's written to the church of Ephesus. It's actually a city called Ephesus. It's written to the churches in that city. Where Galatians is a little bit different in a sense that it's, it's to many cities and many churches that he's planted through Galatia. Uh, so, so just so I can catch you up and you can understand. Um, but he's writing to these churches and there's two tensions. First of all, the first tension that we, we talked about is this tension of the gospel. That the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died to give us uh, is being changed, and it's very short. Galatians written 20 years after the crucifixion of Christ, so it's very close uh, to Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, uh, but already the enemy and many are adding to the scriptures, and that's what Paul's addressing, that as the Jewish church or the Jewish leaders of the church in that day were saying Gentiles could be saved, uh, again, a Gentile and a Jew would be, so a Gentile from God's heart technically is somebody that's away from God, uh, but a lot of times the Jews look at a Gentile as anyone that's not Jewish, all right? So they're looking at uh, the Gentile believers, those that Paul's ministering to in Galatia, saying, look, you can receive Jesus. They're okay with that. Just like the Jews received Jesus Christ and they received him as Lord, you can receive that as well, but you're not fully saved unless you're circumcised and you follow these Jewish regulations or traditions. So there was a couple things they were adding to the gospel, right? And Paul 
Paul had an issue with that. So that's the first tension is that the gospel has been changed very early or it's being twisted very early by man and Paul's not standing for it. And so he's, he's confronting that tension that, that's already happening. Uh, so that's the first reason why Paul's writing this letter. Second is that they're really uh, discrediting or disqualifying Paul's uh, authority. Now they accept Paul as an authority, as, an, as a leader, but he's not one of the 12. So remember in this time, Peter, James, John, all the disciples uh, outside of Judas are alive, and they chose a new, new disciple, Matthias. So there's, there's 12 disciples that actually walked with Jesus. Paul was not one of them. So, uh, so even though they accept Paul and his leadership and what's happened in the Gentile nations, they seem to take his authority down a notch because he's not Peter, and he's not James, he's not John, he's not one of the 12 that were with Jesus. So that's the second tension that Paul's feeling from the Jewish leadership is that he's the second-rate apostle. Right, that he's not the apostle uh, like Peter, James, and John. So he's dealing with these tensions. Now, it didn't affect Paul, but you just got to understand those tensions are happening, and that's why he's writing Galatians is to address these issues. And so that'll kind of catch you up as we walk into chapter 2. So you have a, a tension with the gospel, and you have a tension with authority, uh, and there's a, there's a tension between uh, the Gentile leadership and the Jewish leadership. Uh, so the leadership in Jerusalem or Israel and the leadership in Galatia, all right? So that's kind of where we are in chapter two, so that should catch you up. Uh, today, I want to talk about handling disagreements. Handling disagreements. How many of you have ever had a disagreement before? Uh, all of us, right? It's crazy, all of us have. So how do we handle disagreements? And I just want you to know how encouraging this is, disagreements in the church. How do we handle disagreements in the church is also important, but there's disagreements outside of the church in relationships with people, with jobs, all these things. So how does God want us to handle disagreements? It's a really important question, and I'm thankful that it's in Galatians. Um, it's all through the Bible, but I want you to see how Paul handles disagreements, and I think you're going to see uh, some, some great things that maybe will help you if you're in a disagreement now, or will help you because you're going to have a disagreement. Uh, but I also want to bring uh, that there's, there's a flesh side to disagreements, and there's God's heart side in disagreement. So we need to make sure that we understand those things because we all have a flesh and we all deal with those things. So you're going to see that as we read into. So let's talk about first Paul and his leadership, all right? His favor and his leadership. Now, again, the Jewish uh, leadership and the church of that day understood that Paul was doing a phenomenal work. He was reaching Gentile nations. He was reaching people. He's planting churches. People are getting saved, just like the Jews got saved. Now the Gentiles are getting saved. This is all new for them. Remember, this isn't, this isn't what they knew before. So they're seeing all these people receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, seeing all these salvations, all these water baptisms, them receiving the same Holy Spirit that they received at Pentecost. They're seeing all these things happen, but they're, they're really struggling with the idea that um, they're, uh, they're receiving Jesus but they don't have to follow the same Jewish customs and traditions that they have done for generation upon generation. So there's this tension and struggle of, of well, are you really saved without doing these other things? And so that's kind of uh, that's kind of the, uh, you just got to understand that for thousands and thousands of years, the Jews lived one way and Jesus came and obviously he still honored uh, the law is good, all right? But none of us could be saved by the, through the law. And so there's this tension because there's, it's changed, it's transformed. And after thousands and generations and grandfather upon grandfather saying, hey, this is, this is what happened, this is who God is, uh, you know, 
Gentiles to enter into the same, the same promises that they received is very difficult. So, so this is an ongoing, but it's only 20 years after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. And so, uh, but you see Paul's leadership. You see he's been doing ministry for 14 years, Galatians says. For 14 years, he's been in these cities planting churches, raising up leaders, uh, bringing people to Christ. I mean, not just people to Christ. These people were worshiping false gods and pagan gods, Roman gods. They were, they were away from Christ, just like you and I were away from Christ. And Paul is giving them the gospel for the first time. Imagine that. The gospel has never been preached to these people before. And Paul is going, and many are receiving Christ as Lord and receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving salvation, and just changed in radical ways. Uh, so that's kind of what's happening. So that's the leadership of what Paul is doing. And he's planting these churches, and he's the authority over these Galatian churches. He's the one that's going and making sure they're healthy and and speaking to the leaders and training the leaders and growing the leaders. And now, because of this tension, Paul has to go back to Jerusalem. And let's read it first, and then we'll we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 2. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas. By the way, Barnabas is Jewish. And Titus, Titus is a Gentile. He's a Greek. Came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I'd been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that they were in agreement, for fear of all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion, Titus, remember that he's a Gentile and he had not been circumcised, that they did not even demand that he be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even the question came up, Even that question came up only because of the so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching, by the way. The reputation as, as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. I love that Paul puts his little, little they call that hushba in Jewish. They put a little hushba on there, right? A little twist. Uh, so Paul is saying, look, guys, uh, there's a problem. Now, he goes to meet with the leaders privately. Some of your Bibles say secretly, not secretly in a negative way, um, but when we, when we think about disagreements, I want you to see what Paul's doing here. And I want you to see how purposeful and intentional Paul is because we need to take this into account when we have disagreements. Uh, now, we, uh, what I love about our 2020, the, the year we live in, is that we can connect with people very quickly. If we have a disagreement, there's no, there should be no issue or problem of us getting a hold of somebody. I mean, with technology and phones and Facebook and tweeting and all those things, we can get a hold of people not only right next to us, but across the planet instantly. For Paul, if he had an issue with the Jews and he's in Galatia, he's taking a hike. He's walking. So can you imagine he's deep into ministry. For 14 years, he's doing ministry. He's got all these churches and all these leaders. Listen, we're all busy. But for Paul, it was purposefully and intentionally important that he took care of an issue. So much so that he stopped what he was doing, traveled all the way back to Jerusalem to talk to these leaders privately, to sit down with them face to face. Listen, this is one of the things that I love about Paul and his leadership is that he understood, look, he could have gossiped. He could have wrote a letter, tweeted, posted, 
right? Is that how we handle disagreements today? We talk about others without talking to them directly. We post it so the world can see. Is that how we should handle disagreements? Then why do we do it? Listen, I understand that technology is a, bless, is, is a blessing, but it can be a curse too. If you're going to talk poorly about somebody, you're going to back, you know, backstab them and talk about them without directly talking about them. It's going to create hurt and pain. It's going to create more issues. And Paul recognized this. This is what I love about his leadership. And he said, look, we have a disagreement. And a disagreement, look, we're all going to have disagreements. Even in the church, we're going to have disagreements. I've been a pastor for a long time, over 20 years. And one of the things that really bothers me inside the church is that not only are we the church, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We were saved by the same Jesus. And so there should be no, there shouldn't be a problem with us handling disagreements with one another. Look, we don't have a disagreement with Jesus. We have a disagreement with one another. And we're, at the end of the day, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to spend all eternally with one another. And by the way, we're not going to be bickering and disagreeing in heaven. It's not going to be a problem. All right, so that, that side goes away, which I'm thankful for. But one of the things that, that really, you know, really affects the church, and it, 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 I, it's a pet peeve for me, I guess, it's a bother to me, is that we'll leave the church instead of handling our disagreements. Not only will we leave the church, we'll leave the ministry. We're not just leaving a church. I'm just going to use Western as an example. I don't, I don't believe you guys have any of this heart, but, uh, but we'll leave a church and we won't go to church anymore because of a disagreement we have with somebody or someone or a group of people. And that bothers me because, and I say ministry, and some of you are like, well, I'm not in the ministry. If you're saved by Christ, we're all in the ministry. We're all saints, and we all do the work of the ministry. Now, we all do it differently in different ways, have different gifts and different talents. I'll talk about it in a second. But we're all doing the work of the ministry. And for us to hang up what Jesus Christ died to give us because we have a disagreement is ridiculous. But let me just say this, and I'm going to give you a little challenge today, two challenges really. The first one is Easter is coming. And I love the season that got kind of the spiritual season. You know, Jesus said this to us is that we can look out and we can look at the weather and predict the weather, but you can also predict what God's doing spiritually on the earth. There's not a better time to talk about Jesus than right now leading up to Easter, Passover, this season. It's, it's really a beautiful time. Everyone's kind of open, right? The people, that, the people that may not go to church, they go to church on Easter and Christmas. All right, so you have, we have a unique opportunity. So my challenge is every single one of us in this room, we're all saints. We're all doing the work of the ministry, but I would ask you to pray and challenge you. There's one person God's put in your life. There may be more than one, but let's just, let's just be conservative. One person. There's one person God's put in your life that I believe he wants you to share this good news. This is good news. This gospel that Jesus has given you is such a blessing. It's so good, not only for you, but for the whole world, for everybody. Sharing about Jesus is, is powerful, and everybody needs it. And right now, I'm telling you, everyone's heart is open to it. But here's, so that's the first challenge. All of us, every one of us, if this is your home and Jesus is your Lord, let's ask him, God, who is it in my life that you want me to talk to? Look, and I'm not saying you've got to grab 10 scriptures and preach it at them. Look, how you do it is less important than you saying, God, I will do it. All right? So it may be just listening, and they may be hurting, and you may pray for them, or you may just be there to listen. Look, it doesn't matter how, 
but it, it, it matters that you're being intentional and making an opportunity. Just like Paul was intentional and made an opportunity. Look for it. God will open the door for it. It probably won't happen. You know, you're probably not going to wake up and say, okay, Jesus, at 2 o'clock, while I'm eating lunch, I'll talk to them. It probably won't happen that way. And I hope you're okay with just saying, Lord, when it happens, I will be intentional to be a light to them, to be good news to them, to be a gospel to them. And so that's my first challenge. Every one of us, let's look for the opportunity. Second, I, I, will, I will say this, and, and it's not a bad thing, but I will say this. Probably the, there's a very, very, very small minority of people that are in your life or that you're connected to that have never heard of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there are some out there, maybe here in our community, maybe there are some out there, but most, most of them have heard about Jesus. I'm not saying they're following Jesus, but they know who Jesus is. They know who, what he's done. All right, so, but I'm not saying that you don't discount. There could be somebody that has never heard of Jesus Christ. But it really doesn't matter. The question that, the next challenge I'm going to tell you is, is uh, where are they in their relationship with Jesus and here's the other thing is most of them, I'd say most of them, not only have they heard or know of Jesus, probably most of them have been in the church at one time. And for some reason, they're not in the church. Why? Because of this right here. Because of a disagreement. Because somebody hurt them. And let's just be honest, sometimes as pastors, we can hurt people. And when we don't make it right, people, I'm not saying it's right, but they leave because of somebody else, they just, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. And it's crazy because that's not God. Look, I'm a person and you're a person. I make mistakes. But what I'm saying is, is when you have a disagreement, please go to the person quickly. Make it right with the person quickly. You can still disagree in love. Now, if it's over the gospel, we'll talk about that later. But if you and I have a disagreement and we're not going to come eye to eye on it, look, we could still love each other. We could still be friends and have a disagreement. Let's not get into the worldly culture of if you don't agree with what I say, then you're this. Let's not get into the, the culture of, well, if, if you don't believe what I believe, we can't associate. Look, that's, this is not God's heart. I know that's where the world is taking us, but we're going to be the church. And if I have a disagreement or you have a disagreement, let's take the leadership in favor of Paul. Let's go to one another. Matthew 18 says, if you have a problem or someone sins against you, you go make it right with them. And by the way, the fact that he says he sins against you, it means that somebody has wronged you. It may have been hurtful. Look, I don't know what the wrong is. I don't know what the pain is. But they've done something that's not right. Look, you go to them and you make reconciliation. You make redemption. And all I'm saying is this second challenge is, is part, of the, part of, I think, what God's going to do is you're going to start to meet somebody and, and just understand that somebody has been hurt by somebody, maybe even in the church, and now they won't go to church anymore. Look for an opportunity to show them Jesus in that moment. Look for an opportunity to show them the good news. Look for an opportunity to say, hey, look, this is, I'm sorry that that happened, but that's not Jesus. That was a person. And so just look for an opportunity to share, to bring healing, salvation maybe, setting free. Maybe somebody's, it's been 15 years since it happened. Wouldn't it be awesome if God just set them free of a 15-year-old pain? 
that now they're ignoring because it's so numb. They don't even want to be in the church because it hurted them so bad. They don't even think about it anymore. What if God is putting you in their life for that moment? All I'm saying is, is disagreements is a big deal. And how we handle them is a big deal. And I love that Paul was a leader that said, hey, this isn't right, and I need to go, and I need to make it right. Or we need to at least discuss where we're all at. We need to all be on the same page. Uh, So that was Paul's leadership. The second thing is this uh, that I want to talk about, and uh, it's kind of a, uh, when we think about disagreements, but remain in your calling and your passion. Uh, It kind of goes along with, look, we don't leave the ministry because we have a disagreement. But a lot of times this is what we do because uh, fear of man or fear of rejection or fear of we don't we want to, we want to deal with it. I'll tell you my number one strength, and so Pastor Manny does this with every volunteer. So if you're, if you're volunteering here or maybe you want to volunteer, you want to get on board with what God's doing here, one of the things we do is we go through strength, what's called Strengths Finder. Now, it's, it's, kind of, it's a tool that we use, but really what, what our heart and our intentions are is to find how God has uniquely wired you and how God has uniquely wired you. Because let's just be honest. There's not another you on the planet. There's not another you on the planet. We all have unique gifts and talents given to us by God that only you and only you and only I can fulfill. Nobody else can fulfill it. And so a lot of times when we buy the lie that, hey, I, well, something's wrong, I'll just use the left side and the right side, right? The left side's mad at the right side because they did something, and so I'm not going to serve Jesus anymore. No, 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 no. Let's make it okay with the right side. And let's keep, let's remain in the calling and the gift because you're the only one on the planet that has what God's given to you. You are important to the kingdom. You're important to his plan and his purpose. And this is what Paul was saying. Now watch this. There, there's a disagreement and it's, it's a huge disagreement. It's not only a disagreement between Paul and the leadership of the Jews, it's a dis- disagreement with the gospel. This is a huge disagreement between what Jesus Christ said and what he died for and what the Jewish leadership is saying. And so this is a big issue, but what, look at what Paul says. And I, I love the way he, he, he says this. And I, I apologize, I didn't put this in. A, so I'm going to read it off the screens with you. It says, instead, they saw God had given me the responsibility. This is uh, Paul talking about the Jews. Saw that God had given me the responsibility to preaching to the gospel to the Gentiles. Just, whoop, go back. You're going too fast. Just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. Okay, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me. As a, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, and I've always been eager to do that. So what I love about this scripture is, is here's Paul, even though there's a disagreement, he's saying, hey, look, I recognize James, Peter, John, I recognize that God has gifted you uniquely, that you have a special, unique gift, and your ministry is to the Jews. And what I love what Paul's saying is they also recognize that I, Paul, was also gifted by God, and had unique gifts and talents, and I was to preach to the Gentiles. Both were given to God by God, both were unique in their own ways, and both reached a different audience. They reached different communities, a different people, and I love that. I love that about 
Every person that serves Jesus, look, you all have different gifts and they're unique and they're important to God. Please don't be one of those people that says, well, uh, I could never do that for the Lord. Look, Jesus died so you can do it for him. There's not a resource in heaven that's not available to you. Jesus sacrificed his whole life, his whole body, his very existence on earth so that you can have what you have today. You are valuable and you are special, not only to God, but to his kingdom and to his plan and to his purpose. And nobody else on the planet can do what you do. And I love that Paul and Peter recognized, look, even though we have a disagreement, I recognize the value that they have for the kingdom and they recognize the value that I have for the kingdom. And so that's what I love about the church. Look, this is, I love, I'm biased. This is the best church on the planet. But I also love that there's another great church called Crossroads right down the road. And there's another one called Valley right down the road. And there's another one called Mosaic right down the road. And there's another one in Moon called Impact. And there's another one in Moon called uh, Hill City. And there's, there's churches all over. And I love that. Why? I'm not competing with them. And they're not competing with me. We're doing, we're working together for the kingdom. And you know what? Pastor Steve Cordo, who leads Crossroads Church, has different gifts and talents than I do. And he reaches an audience that I I don't. And that's okay. That's a good thing. And vice versa for me. Look, I don't want to be Steve, and Steve doesn't want to be me. We all have unique gifts and talents. I'm not going to reach everybody in Coriopolis and everybody in Moon. So I need Crossroads and I need Impact and I need Hill City and I need these, all these other churches. We're working together for the Lord. Let me say it again. I am not competing with any other church that is serving the Lord Jesus Christ and we're followers of Christ. We're working together. We're one body. And same goes for you. Let's make it a little bit smaller. Inside of Westridge Church, you have a gift. You have a gift. You have a talent. You have a talent. Yes, they're different, but they beautifully work together for one purpose, and that's to show honor and exalt Jesus and to serve. Love God, love people. To love him and serve Jesus and to love every person that God puts in your life and brings to this church. And there's something that you can do that they can't. And there's something you can do that they can't. But when we all come together we're much stronger than we are apart. And so I love that Paul said, hey, look, there's going to be disagreements, but it doesn't mean you throw everything out the window. It doesn't mean that God hasn't gifted and blessed them and God hasn't gifted and blessed you because we have a disagreement. You see, that's what culture would say is, "Ah, you can't be for Jesus because you don't agree with me and you can't be for Jesus because you don't agree with me. No, Paul says we're both doing what Jesus has called. We just have a little issue that we need to resolve. That's how you handle disagreements, is you work it out. My number one strength is unity. Now, there's always a counterfeit, right? The enemy counterfeits everything Jesus does. So there's always a counterfeit. So my strength is unity. My, Jen's is too, by the way. And so for me, I love to have unity in my life, in the church, and what I do, in my marriage, and my kids. Unity, if, if I don't have unity, it bothers me. But the counterfeit is, is that Uh, I so want unity that I don't handle confrontation. And uh, to be honest with you, I have to grow in this and I have to work in this. I don't like confrontation. Is there anybody else that likes confrontation? Some of you are really good at it. Some of you are great at it. And I will hire you to take care of my problems. No, I'm just kidding. No, I need to grow. 
I cannot have unity without confrontation. Is that true? Right? So there's no way I can have unity without dealing with issues. But the counterfeit of my strength is, is that, oh, I just avoid issues to keep unity. But that's a lie. But this is what a lot of, for those of you that don't like confrontation that are like me, this is what we do. We avoid issues. We'll leave a church. We'll walk a different aisle because that person's over there. We'll, we'll stay in this aisle so I don't have to see that person. I won't go to this dinner, this family dinner, because I know they're going to be there. Instead of just talking to the person. And you live this whole life with all these walls and boundaries, and some of it's self-taught, right? Some of it, not self-taught, some of it was taught to you, right? I grew up in a house that didn't deal with confrontation. So for me, I had to go to the Lord and learn that confrontation is a good thing. But it was taught, maybe not like, John, this is, you don't deal with, it wasn't taught that way, but this is all I, I saw, that we avoided confrontation, so I just took it that's the way it should be but I'll never have unity, and that's my number one strength, and I thrive and prosper when I'm in unity, so I need to understand that the enemy is always trying to counterfeit me of, of, of getting away, just ignore problems. I'm telling you, the number one hurts and pains in my life are because I ignored problems. Instead of dealing with them, I ignored them. All that to say is it even came to a point ahead in, in my life where I wanted out of the ministry. Why? Because there's such a big blow up, I didn't want to deal with it. And if the enemy can lie to you enough to rob you from God and his blessing and his calling on your life, that's what he'll do. He'll counterfeit all day long. But I'm getting you to see that Paul is saying, look, don't, don't, don't give up your calling because of a disagreement. Don't give up what God died to give you because you have a disagreement. Just deal with the disagreement. Matthew 18, go to the person. Go to the person. Here's the third thing. Man's power versus God's message. <laughs> Man's power versus God's message. You can already see the division, can't you? Man's power versus God's message. Look, God's heart doesn't change. And I don't care if you're in the church, you're in the secular work world, home. A lot of times what we do is we try to drive the ship. We will win at all costs, won't we? The argument, whatever it is, I just want to win. Or I want my way. And whatever carnage I have to pick up to get my way, I'm okay with it. As long as I win. Look, that's not God's heart. I understand you may have a strong opinion, but so do they. And a lot of these disagreements that we have aren't even gospel They're just simply your opinion versus my opinion, or what I prefer or what you prefer, your perception or my perception. But if we would just get together and talk about it, especially, again, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. If we have a disagreement with one another over how we do something, a method, or how we do ministry, please let's just talk it out. There is no how to do ministry. There's a heart of how to do ministry, but there's not like, okay, um, you sing three songs and then you preach a message. There's no method. We should preach the word. We should sing the word. We should do those things. But look, how we do those things, it's really up to the person. It's how God's gifted and where our passion lies and those kind of things. And those are all good things. But to sit there and say, no, 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 the gospel is two songs. And if you don't sing two songs, I'm out of here. You get what I'm saying? It's, that's what we do. It's our preferences. Instead of working with the person and showing love and grace.
man's power. Look at uh, Galatians 2, 11 and 12. It says this, but when Peter, listen to this. Now this is Peter. Peter that was, let me just remind you, do you know who Peter is? He's the man that was standing in front of Jesus Christ and Jesus says, Peter, who do you say I am? And he said, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And what did Jesus say? Peter, upon that rock, I will build my church. By the way, Peter's name means rock. So a lot, of, a lot of people have perceived that to be, well, Peter is the only church. That's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying, upon the rock that Jesus Christ is the Messiah is where I build my church. And the keys of the kingdom are given to the church. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened. You remember that scripture? That's Peter. That's who we're talking about. So for Paul to leave Galatia, walk into Jerusalem, walk in privately, and sit down with Peter, it took guts, didn't it? It took guts. Now watch this. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him face to face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers. So he walks into Antioch, which is a Galatian city. He's sitting with Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some of his, his Jewish friends came, James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Here's what, here's what Paul's saying, fear of man. He was afraid of what James would say if he was sitting with a Gentile who wasn't circumcised because James and Peter... We're communicating, you're not really saved unless you're circumcised. And Paul came to Peter and said, it's wrong, Peter. It's wrong. It's wrong. Look, if you have a disagreement with anybody, I don't care what their position, their economic status is, their title. If they're part of the Jewish elite, the, the high religious people, look, you don't change because of the fear of man, because of their position or stature, because you feel intimidated. You don't change who you are just because somebody walks in the room. You don't change and you, you're eating with a Gentile. Oh, there's James. See ya. And Paul's saying, Peter, that's wrong. It's wrong. And I'm going to call you out on it. Listen, church, that's love. Jesus says it best. Discipline is love. Look, to allow Peter to keep doing that and hurting people was wrong. Sometimes the disagreement isn't easy. Sometimes you've got to sit down. I've told you this before. Look, if I'm wrong, sit down with me and tell me. Don't leave churches and then tell all the churches how bad I am because you disagreed with me, but you never spoke with me. I'm not saying you would ever do that. That's hypothetical. But I'm just saying, if you have a problem with somebody, go to them and talk about it especially if it's not aligning with God's heart. Look, this wasn't aligning with God's heart. Peter, you don't not sit with a Gentile because James walks in. You don't not love people because James walks in and, and you're preaching a different gospel. You don't do that. It's wrong. And out of love, I'm going to confront you. Look, it doesn't mean that I can never speak to you again or I can never work. Look, this is, this is where healthy disagreement is important. We need to understand how to treat people, how to love people even when we disagree. But the reality is, is if there's a problem, we need to talk to the person. And if we're talking to that person, if they send against us and they're not listening, then we bring a couple more people in the room, not to manipulate. We don't bring people in the room to be on our side. You bring a couple more in the room that have God's heart, that can keep communicating God's heart. A lot of times we bring people in the room, right? Well, 
post or a Facebook or we'll tell the mother-in-law. But we haven't talked to the person. Or we go talk to the person and we're bringing yes men into the room that will only agree with me and have nothing to do with them. That's not what, what the Bible's saying. What the Bible's saying is if, if you can't work it out, bring, bring two or more in the room that have my heart that we can agree on God's heart and we can begin to reconcile. And if that can't happen, then bring the elders in. Bring some more people with God's heart in. Make sure that the message of God's heart is being continually uh, spoken to both parties. And then if that doesn't happen, then we make a boundary. And we make a boundary. And that boundary is good. And that boundary is healthy. Look, that's how you handle disagreements. And that's what Paul did. He met, went and met Peter face to face. And watch this. I love this. You know, speaking of man's power versus uh, God's message. And let me just close with this point. Uh, handling relational disagreements. When you get to the point where you need to make a boundary, let me just show you this real quick in Scripture. Galatians 2.13 says this. Now, I'm just going to read you a portion, and then I'm going to explain. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. His hypocrisy was the gospel plus works. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, when I started the message, the very first verse, I said, who came with Peter? Barnabas and Titus. Barnabas was a Jew. Titus was a Greek. Barnabas was circumcised. Titus was not. So even Barnabas got caught up at some point. I don't believe it was at this point in Scripture in Galatians. I believe Paul was telling you this happened a while ago. You can see it in Acts 15, actually, if you want. It's the Jerusalem Council. It's, it's where they came and they ruled on this, that you can be saved without being circumcised. But this is where Barnabas, at some point in his life, got swayed away with hypocrisy. And it caused, it caused division between Paul and Barnabas. Now, here's what I'm telling you. Barnabas took the side of the Jews who were teaching a false gospel, and Paul said, I need to make a boundary. Barnabas, we're going to have to split. Look, we can't do ministry together if you're going to preach that gospel. And this is what I'm telling you. Look, if you go through it, you've met with the person, you've gotten some people in the room, and they won't adhere to the heart of God, then it's good to make a boundary. And for Paul and Barnabas, at that moment, it was good to make a boundary. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It doesn't mean that you cast them off with no hope, that you'll never talk to them ever again. That's not the heart of God. You can make a boundary and say, hey, look, we may not be able to work together anymore, but, I, but I'm still going to continue to pray for you. Let's face it, we've all been in the same scenario, right? We all denied and rejected and sinned against God, didn't we? Did God give up on you? No, he didn't. In fact, he died while you were yet sinner. He took your sin to the cross. He was very patient, very long-suffering. He, he went after you. He didn't give up on you. But look, there was a reality that when you would not, when you would not walk with him and you wouldn't receive him and you wouldn't let him be Lord of your life, look, he let you live, he lets you make your own decisions, but he didn't give up on you. And the same is true with Barnabas and Paul. So boundaries are good. You make the boundary. It's healthy for both of you. But you don't give up on them. You continue to pray for them. You continue to believe that God would reveal his heart to them, just like the prodigal son. Look, there may be a time where you're apart, but you continue to pray God's heart for them. You don't talk bad about them. You don't spread rumors about them. You continue to pray God's heart for them. 
I just want you to show you something encouraging. Actually, in, and I can't read the whole passage, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at this. And uh, you may wash over this if you were just reading Corinthians and you didn't know the backstory. But look at verse 6. It says, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? And that may not mean anything to you, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Barnabas and Paul reconciled. Chapter 9 talks about how they were, they were doing the work of the ministry together, so much so. So at some point in their life, they reconciled, they met, they made things right, and they were doing ministry together again. There was a boundary for a season where they weren't doing ministry together, but they came together, they reconciled, and that's my hope for you. Maybe you have a relationship today that's gone way, way far. Maybe, maybe you have some disagreements that are causing conflict and division. Maybe, uh, maybe you're like many of these Jews where you're powering through the disagreement. You just want to win at any cost and it's created carnage in your relationship. Your son and daughter won't talk to you anymore. There's people in the church that you won't even look at. In fact, you probably said things, I don't think they're saved just because of the disagreement. There's things that you've said. You're, you're powering through it. You're using your power of your words, the manipulation, the fear of man, the fear of rejection. You're using all these things to win the argument. I would just say God wants to do a miracle. He wants to do a miracle in these relationships. Maybe you have a son or daughter that's far away. Look, last year I remember praying with somebody and their son was, I believe, was in prison. And we prayed, and not too long after that, there was a phone call. And things began to move a different direction. Look, that's the God that we worship. He can do anything. God, I, you know, if you have a relationship like that, if you have something that's separating you from somebody else, I believe the Holy Spirit can begin to soften hearts. I believe He can do miracles that you can't do. But if we're going to sit here and throw darts at each other, Look, that relationship will probably, look, God can do anything. But I'm just saying, if we're throwing darts at each other, it's, it's probably a pretty sure fact that that will never come back together. When really what we could do is just set some clean boundaries that are good for both of us. And let's take the higher road, church. You're a follower of Christ. Let's take the higher road. Let's not kick our enemies while they're down. Let's pray for our enemies. And I'm talking about people that are against the gospel. But look, if, you're, if somebody's mad at you or they're separating from you because you believe in Jesus, let's pray for them. Let's believe for them. Let's thank God for them. If you have disagreements that you know you've done wrong, you've, done, you've sinned against them, you need to go to them and say you're sorry. You need to go to them and ask for forgiveness. You need to go to them and say, hey, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have posted that. I shouldn't have tweeted that. I shouldn't have said that to my mom. Maybe your spouse. Maybe there's disagreement right now with your spouse. So much so that it's creating. You won't even live together. You won't even talk to each other. I believe God can heal. But you're going to have to handle your side. You have to take responsibility for you. And that's what I'm saying. Look, let's not avoid the arguments anymore. Let's not avoid the tension if you're a non-confrontation person like me, get in the room and talk with them. That's where you're going to find unity. Don't go powering through to win. Ask God, God, what, what is your outcome for this? What is my responsibility? 
And I'm believing for a miracle for you this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for this church. Lord, I know, I know, even reading Paul's letter to the Galatians, Lord, I know, I know there's things that happen in the church, and there, there may be many of these people sitting in this room like me, that there's been hurt in the church. Lord, I just want to say this. I know that's not you. That hurt didn't come from you. It came from a person. And I'm so sorry that this happens in a church. It happens in leadership. It happens maybe through pastors or people. And if, if I could speak on behalf of Jesus on whatever the situation is, I just want to say, hey, I'm sorry. It's not God's heart. But I also want to say, don't give up on Jesus. You have a gift and a ministry that he's given you. Let's keep walking in it. And Lord, if there's anybody here that needs to make reconciliation, Lord, they're leaving this room. There's a name, there's a face. Lord, I don't know who it is, but they do, and you do. Lord, they're sitting here and they're saying, no, I need to make this right. I need to make this right. Holy Spirit, would you supernaturally show them how to do this well? You're the God of reconciliation. You're the God of redemption. You're the God of salvation. You can certainly show them how to heal this relationship, how to make it right. And so, Lord, I pray. I pray for marriages. I pray for kids. I pray for maybe even another brother and sister in another church. Lord, I, I pray for family members. I, Lord, there's so many things that probably many of them are dealing with. But, God, I pray that we be a light, a beacon, a salt to the earth. And, Lord, if there's any responsibility we need to take, Holy Spirit, show us that right now. And, Lord, I'm praying a miracle healing and searing and redemption in that relationship today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that Paul, this is nothing new. Paul dealt with it. You dealt with it, God. You dealt with disagreements all the time. People are always yelling at you. But Lord, you were perfect in how you responded. And so help us be that same way. Give us peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said. Hey, we want to pray for you. So if you need prayer for anything at all, we're going to sing some worship and the altar team's going to come forward. But if there's a relationship, look, maybe it's like that relationship I was telling you a while ago. Look, let's let God do the heavy lifting. Let's let him do the miracle. You can't tell God what a miracle is. He, tell, he shows you what a miracle is, all right? But let's let him do a miracle. But I believe in the power of prayer. If you want to pray together, come and pray. If you need healing for anything, salvation, if there's anything in your life, come and pray. Come and pray. Don't leave here without prayer. But if there's a relationship that needs healed, let's agree together. Let's agree together. God bless you. We love you. Let's worship together. At any time, you can come forward for prayer. And uh, Justin will be up in just a second. Dismiss you. God bless you guys.